You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. In the know, non-stop Vikings talk, it's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. And away we go. Yes, away we go with the Jaron Hall era, at least for at least for a week. Now, Nick Mullins comes off injured reserve after this week, so it might be as simple, gentlemen, as if the Vikings beat the Falcons and Jaron Hall plays fairly well, that he just keeps playing until further notice. Now, we are recording this a few hours before the trade deadline. So if the Vikings trade for, like, whoever, Jameis Winston's a name that keeps floating out there, then scrap everything here and we will we'll revisit with another conversation. But this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, presented by Quick Trip, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And that can be difficult when you don't know who your quarterback is in the short term or the long term here. Uh, but boys, let's do this. We've got a pigskin pecking order on the episode today. We've got Judd guessing the PFF grades, which should be a fun exercise. There is a juicy film breakdown available. Our trenches with Boone episode. He just a masterclass. It was like a, I think it was like an hour long episode almost. And he broke down plays that will work and plays that won't work if Jaron Hall is substituted in for Kirk Cousins. And so there's some great stuff there, but it was almost a year ago this week, gentlemen. It was, uh, it was, it was actually a, it was 11 months ago. It was December 4th of 2022 that Brock Purdy, a seventh round pick, the last pick, he was Mr. Irrelevant, right? Wasn't he Mr. Irrelevant? Mm -hmm. No, he was. That he was tabbed against the Miami Dolphins to come in and uh, essentially pick up the pieces of the San Francisco 49ers quarterback mess. And they said, hey, man, well, you haven't been here that long, and you certainly weren't drafted to be a starting quarterback right away, but we need you. And he stepped in with weapons, with great play, uh, play calling, a defense that swarmed around, and he won the last six games and the Niners did, but he was the quarterback that won the last six games of the season. The regular season, he won his first 10 regular season games. He stepped in right away as a rookie seventh-round pick, and he made it happen. He drove the hell out of that car. What are the chances in your guys' mind that Jaron Hall, as a fifth-round pick, not a seventh-round pick, a fifth-round pick, what are the chances that Jaron Hall can be the next Brock Purdy? Let's just start the quarterback conversation there. Oh, boy. All right, so not to be uh, Mr. Debbie Downer, Mr. Negative, but the reality of stepping in, although he's stepping into a pretty damn good car, I will say that, especially when Jefferson gets back. But when, you know, when your skill position guys are Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, who has started, who, by the way, now has started to come around, like he's playing, I think, pretty well now. Um, the drop KJ Osborne were, had maybe the best game of any yeah, of the weapons. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, boy, but the reality is, I am. I I would say percentage wise, it's at about five percent that that he's going to be like that. 
that quickly. Uh, Brock Purdy was a product of the system as well. And, and Pur- Purdy's good. I'm impressed by him. But you know what? I need to see a little bit more there, too, because the last three weeks, he has definitely slumped some. And, like, I need to know, here's the problem. If Jaron Hall comes in and plays well against the Falcons, and let's say he gets himself another start against the Saints, the other thing then is when you put your tendencies on tape, right? Like this league, they do nothing but watch film. Mm-hmm. So so immediately, could he come in and surprise a bit? I would say yes, like pleasantly surprised. Like that's not bad because I think he's got some skill. And and if he is Kellen Mond too, that is concerning because it sort of means KOC doesn't know what he's watching. I'm going to say that KOC knows what he's watching. And so that they drafted a quarterback that, for whatever reason, from a, from a standpoint of talent, that Kevin O'Connell said, this kid can play. Um, so do I think he can come in and be serviceable? Absolutely. Once that's on film, do I think it can keep up? That's a different story. So I would like him to play against the Falcons. I would like him to play well because of this. If he doesn't, when Nick Mullins is prepared to return, and we don't know exactly when, I I wouldn't assume he's going to be back. He's eligible to come back for the Saints game. I wouldn't assume that that happens. But when Nick Mullins is eligible to to return, if Jaron Hall struggles, the assumption is that Nick Mullins, who they got to be their backup, would take over. I would love to see a long look now at Hall. Yeah, you kind you kind of know what like, I mean it's, I think the percentages would say that it's unlikely Jaron Hall is, and we'll get to some of the some of the draft percentages here in this episode. It's unlikely that either one of those guys is your long term. So it would be oh. very hopeful to think that either one of those no guys question. is long term. So, no question. but to your point about Purdy, real quick, it didn't really catch up to him the scouting and everything else until like halfway through this season. That's the crazy mm-hmm. thing. He was he was great down the stretch. He did everything they needed him to. You know, it was. I think Debo's were, been out too. So, in fairness and, to him, yep. and Debo, concussions don't help anything either. And Trent Williams has been mm-hmm. out. Their yeah. Hall so, of Fame left tackle. So those are some things. He's no one's saying he's Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's this conversation is less about can Jaron Hall be the long term solution at quarterback. It's more about it's more of a short term discussion about hey, this team got back to four and four. Can he step in and drive this car to like nine or ten wins? and playoffs right like i i'm i don't i think right. it's way too early to start talking about is jaron hall the successor to Kirk cousins for the long haul right that's that's probably an unfair uh expectation at this point i think what they're gonna have to do and we talked about this on purple daily on draft yesterday with tyler fornis and miles gorham is you kind of have kevin o'connell that is has to change up his offense to a degree and is this more rpos is this more things that make him more comfortable and not just plopping Jaron Hall and expecting him to make all the throws and know all the things that Kirk Cousins can because I mean we know the answer to that it's no he doesn't he's he's 25 he's a rookie he only really started two years at BYU um he he he's, he's raw he's inexperienced so how can you make his job a lot easier now that's why I'm more bullish and that's why I'm more tempted to roll with Jaron Hall the rest of the year because he's stepping into an offense that has infrastructure around him and things that he can rely upon he has a tight end he's probably going to target a ton He's going to have Justin Jefferson back here. It's not like he's stepping in, you know, to the Cardinals or Panthers offense and saying, hey, good luck, kid, because this is the only thing you got here. So can he be the next Brock Purdy? I don't think so. Like Purdy was also a four-year starter at Iowa State. Like, I I don't think he's the next Brock Purdy. But do I think he can be serviceable? And can the Vikings win some games with Jaron Hall? Yes, 
I think they can. I think they can. I think they can too. I, I would say, I mean, Purdy is like such an anomaly. If you look at, I'll give you the data here. We, we, we went over some of this when Jaron Hall was drafted. Right. So going back to the year 2000, the year 2000, <laughs> for those Conan fans in the early 2000s, uh, 139 quarterbacks drafted in the fourth round or later. I'm not counting the 2023 draft, by the way. So since 2000, 139 quarterbacks drafted fourth round or later. Jaron Hall was fifth round. Purdy was seventh round. Mm-hmm. Only eight out of 139 became multi-year above average starters by sort of, I don't know, you can fight some of these, but the eight quarterbacks that I put on that list are Kirk Cousins, fourth round pick. Tony Romo was undrafted. Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick. Tyrod Taylor was a multi-year above average starter for the Bills, and he has stepped in as he's one of the high-end backups in the league, right? Matt Castle was a solid starter for the Chiefs for a few years. Ryan Fitzpatrick had a long career as a starter. David Garrard was a good starter for like four years in Jacksonville. And then I put Brock Purdy as the eighth because he's having, a, I say, multi-year above average starters. He's been now for not, it's funny because it hasn't been like 17 games, but it's over the course of two seasons. And then I would say out of those 139, about six other ones sort of stuck around the league as good backups, like Case Keenum, Brian Hoyer, who's still in the league, Gardner Minshew, who's been starting in place of now Anthony Richardson, Trevor Simeon, and there's probably two or three others. But that's out of 139. So there's like 120 quarterbacks that are just out of the league within a few years. Maybe they're a backup. Maybe they're on practice squads, whatever it may be. They're just kind of non-factors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the odds are stacked against a Jaron Hall, even for like the rest of the season. The odds are against him being anything other than sort of in over his head. But if you remember back to some of the stuff, like the scouting stuff, that, you know, he, first of all, he's mobile. So I think just being able to keep some plays alive in the absence of being able to sit back there and know exactly what you're looking at. Can you extend a play? Can they call plays where there's bootlegs and you're getting out on the edge, you're splitting the field in half? But a couple of interesting things about him. He had the third highest mental cognition score of any of the 2023 draft class quarterbacks. He's 25 and a half years old. So you put those things together, like he's older than a lot of current starting quarterbacks. And he was, at least in terms of processing the information that they put on that test, he was third highest out of the entire draft class. So there's some things like, and when he was given a clean pocket, he was second in college football passer rating last year behind only C.J. Stroud, and he had one of the highest accuracy rates when he was given a clean pocket. So, you know, when pressure mounts, when he gets pressured, it's going to be a problem because he's a rookie and he doesn't know what he's looking at. But there are some signs here when you go back to sort of the college scouting report that say, boy, if you can keep that pocket clean and you can give him some time with Kevin O'Connell to, all right, what are the plays that you feel comfortable with? I think he can move the football. I thought what Boone said on trenches was spot on too, though. And that, that is if they don't improve their run game, they're all screwed. Like that's the one thing is you can't get around that now. Like with Kirk, you could, um, if you don't have a run game that is viable and and play action becomes a very small threat, it's going to make his life almost impossible. So he needs a lot of help here. Like that, that's, and that's not a criticism of Jaron Hall. That's just a fact. He needs help from O'Connell. He needs help from his running backs. He needs help from his line. You can't you can't plop him in there and say, oh, okay, kid, 
go out and we don't really have a good run game, but but you can complete these passes because eventually the routes get jumped. Uh, they're, they're not going to be it, the menu of plays is going to have to be decreased. And and I know that O'Connell got oddly aggressive in Green Bay when when he put him him in, but if you start with that, you're setting him up for trouble. So I think the most important thing is can the Vikings even have geez, I would say a halfway decent run game. I'm not even asking for a great one. I'm just saying a representable, you have to move the ball on the ground. Now, to your point, Phil, the one thing is, Jaron Hall will be part of that probably. Like with you Kirk, can put some read options and stuff in there. Right, yeah, that's like, what you're going to have to do. Yeah. But but then, but then it's going to have to pay off, right? So like your running backs who have, you know, I, I like Aker. I still like Akers and Chandler from an explosive standpoint way more than Madison. Um, and as Boone talked about the screen game, you know, the what? screen game, got to catch the ball guys. I bet we see more Ty Chandler going forward for this reason. If, and it like depends it. on what Kevin O'Connell wants to do here, but they mm-hmm. don't trust Ty Chandler in pass protection and that, and they might not trust him to always hit the right hole too, but We've seen if you can get if you can design plays to get Ty Chandler into space. I mean, the, the guy think about it, he's had two plays called back because of sort of uh-huh. questionable penalties, the kick return touchdown or near touchdown, and then the uh, was it the was it a screen pass that he caught against the Niners for like thirty yards, and they wound up calling it was some play that went for like KJ Osborne held. Yes, yeah, it was the trick play. Yep, he held. So it, there's some stuff you could design for Ty Chandler. I think. Yeah, like pro- if if you can call some more like designed read options and things with a mobile quarterback that you would never touch with Kirk, could you put Ty Chandler out there? He's dude. He ran a four three forty two years ago at the combine. He's your fastest offensive weapon, not named Kane Wangwu, who also ran a four three. Can you get creative with your fastest running back on some designs that you would not maybe run with Kirk Cousins? That's a question I have. And and that's why I'm intrigued on the O'Connell factor because like okay Kyle Shanahan is this wizard right I mean my God he plugs in any quarterback Nick Mullins has had success with Kyle Shanahan right Brock Purdy comes off the bench and is unbelievable at the 49ers and Hall is obviously KOC's like first quarterback pick here so what trickery what type of things can he lean on and can we really see like the true awesome version of Kevin O'Connell? Like we've seen with guys like Kyle Shanahan, you know, Mike McDaniel says Tua catches the most catchable football in the NFL, and everyone kind of laughed at that. And now here's here's he Tua right. slinging footballs all over the dang place, right? So I think that's why I'm so intrigued by this because this, this is the first time the Vikes have had an offensive coach in a long time, and we're obviously in this era of offensive NFL players and coaches. And what can he do to make Jaron Hall's life easier? So I think the the probably fairest hopeful parallel. Because Purdy is, you know, was off the charts good. I think probably the most ho- hopeful is what McVeigh had when Stafford went out last year. What was it, John Wolford, who's now I think with Tampa Bay and just got and, and was going to sign elsewhere, and and I think got promoted by the Buccaneers. But I think what we saw behind Stafford is probably like if you can get that, because I think the Rams did win some games. You're you're going to be you're going to feel decent, but again. I also think that if uh, if Jaron Hall struggles at all, which he very well might, that when Mannion is set to come, or I keep saying Mannion, when when Mullins is set to come back, he's going to be the guy. Yeah. Well, but that depends. Don't you think if if Hall plays pretty well against the Falcons, then when, and they win, then they they keep yeah. going, right? I'm I saying mean, if he struggles, yeah, if he struggles, because I keep going back to this. 
you got Mullins for this purpose. As like, yeah. like when they said Mond and Mannion can't play, they they went out and got what they thought was a representable backup who was starting experience. Mm-hmm. So when Mullins' back is healed, it won't be surprising if they cash in that ticket and say, "Okay, go out there and don't screw up." Yep, and make no mistake too, like. You know, we're, we're we're trying to project here. You know, what could Jaron Hall be in this offense? That and Boone did an amazing job, kind of laying out on that trenches episode the things that you can do and can't do when you replace Kirk Cousins with a fifth round rookie who's you know six months into his NFL learning curve. Mm-hmm. This will be a problem for the Vikings passing game. I mean, some of the oh, yeah. some of the completions that Kirk was making that we we have been seeing a fully realized version of Kirk Cousins a lot in the last two years. With the fourth quarter comebacks last season, the performances against the 49ers and against the Packers. So you're coming, you're 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 getting like the peak version of Kirk Cousins instantly out for the season, and you're trying to fill in as much as you can. So it's it's gonna be Judd has an idea. Eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from 6 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time you can sign up and save and we've done the math factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious head to factormeals.com slash purple daily 50 and use code purple daily 50 to get 50 percent off that's code purple daily 50 at factormeals.com slash purple daily 50 to get 50 percent off go check out factor meals Oh no, you've opened up the door to address something that I feel is incredibly important to, to, to address because it's a subject we talked about two years ago on this show. Is this where you apologize for being a hater and being wrong about Kirk Cousins since 2018? No, no, it's where we all take a bow for saying exactly what O'Connell was going to bring, which, by the way, he has paid off. He has paid mm-hmm. off. If you guys recall, so Kirk Cousins from 2018 through 21 put up some really good stats at times. And lost some really big, big games. And the Cousins Crusaders defended him. And a lot of folks said, ah, you know, and we and we were on the side of, eh, for what he's being paid, you're not getting the payoff. O'Connell gets hired. And what did we all say? In fact, I used probably the most um, aggressive form of saying Kevin O'Connell is going to be ideally a puppet master. Mm-hmm. He's going to get the most from Kirk. Kirk's going to be on a thing because Kirk, nobody's ever questioned the talent. No one's ever questioned. Like we, we never said physically he's got no gifts. Like we all said, this guy's got gifts. In fact, we all said that and said, why, why is there not more here? Kevin yeah. O'Connell came in and through this season, for the most part, has paid off what he was brought here to do, which was he has propped Kirk. He has taken Kirk's talents and maximized them which, of course, the Zimmer teams really never did. Now, Kirk did have some good pop-up years. Stefanski, I think, wor- worked well. Filippo, of course, originally was a complete mess. But for all of the revisionists now, you know, since 2018, Kirk's been great, and you didn't appreciate Kirk, Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins as a pair have done exactly what we projected that they might do, which is be damn good as partners. But that is not all Kirk. That is Kirk working for an offensive mind 
who did a really good job with Kirk from everything from propping Kirk up as a human. Like yeah. he made Kirk feel good about Kirk. That's important for Kirk. He That's brought awesome. Out, yes. He so like, but, but I feel this is so important because I feel like now this whole thing's been been like rewritten of nobody understood how good Kirk was for all those years. <laughs> well, no, that wasn't the case. It is Kevin yeah, O'Connell gets full credit for for this, and so does Kirk. But let's not forget Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, no, I bravo, man. Like I agree. I think this is where, and it's gonna be hard to replace that. You know. Yeah, I think where I get super confused discussing with certain sections of Vikings fans is if you think Kirk is the same quarterback in 2023 that he was in 2018 as a quarterback, as a leader, as a decision maker on the field, if you think you're watching the same product and the same quarterback in 2023 that you saw in 2018, again, maybe in 2020, I don't know what you're looking at. It's weird to me. Because if, if that's the yeah. case, then, then you think Kevin O'Connell is no different than Mike Zimmer. Then, you, then, by the way, then you think that Kirk was playing at his peak in 2018 when the Vikings also had a top five defense and somehow a quarterback playing at his peak, an elite quarterback paired with a top five defense, misses the playoffs entirely? Right. You know, like... There has been an evolution as a player, as a decision maker, as a leader over the past six years. And Kevin O'Connell helped unlock a lot of things. And credit to Kirk for buying into what Kevin O'Connell was selling and teaching. You know, one of the first things that Kevin O'Connell said at his introductory press conference was somebody asked him, hey, what, what do you want to see out of Kirk? You know, what's your plan working with Kirk? And Kevin said, I want Kirk to play with a quieter mind. Mm-hmm. He comes in and it's like my biggest observation is he gets, you know, if I could translate, he gets a little anxious out there, gets sometimes gets a little panicky. And we saw a lot of that 2018-19. Now, when you have a head coach that, you know, is more of a drill sergeant defensive guy, you're probably right. going to be a little bit more anxious and and that's a given. Well, And you're but, not liked. And you're not accepted. Mike didn't like him. Like, it's that simple. And I never loved that. We got two We got two grown adult men, and Mike Zimmer obviously kind of threw a tantrum that the Vikings spent that much money on a quarterback. But at the same time, like, right. those guys didn't start meeting weekly until their fourth year. And some of that's also on the quarterback. Like, you don't just work here. You've got to, you also have to try and forge that relationship. And it was Kirk, to his credit, that made those meetings happen in year four. But again, I think this version of Kirk as empowered by Kevin O'Connell would have operated much differently in 2018, 19 as a guy gets a little older into his quarterback prime years too. instead of being a third year starter, fourth year starter, he's now a seventh, eighth, you know, whatever ninth year starter. He naturally adds layers to his game. So, you know, that's my, I think that's been my biggest pet peeve in sort of the, the discourse about Kirk since the injury a couple days ago is like, you know, you know, that you guys never appreciated Kirk. You know, it's like, no, Kirk has gotten so much better, and I think my and our tone discussing him has changed over the last six years, as anything should when circumstances start to evolve. I enjoy the work of Lennon and McCartney solo, but I sure as hell like the Beatles more. Hell yeah. And O'Connell and, and Kirk prop each other up and have helped. And O'Connell has done that. I mean, come on, the Netflix documentary basically served in some ways as a play-by-play of in 
in snippets, but of their yeah. relationship, right? And in Miami, when Kevin's like, calm down, it's okay, it's okay. And then Kirk sort of calmed down. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying the last year and a half have been really, really impressive. Um, it's too bad that didn't start before, but make no mistake, it didn't start before. And I don't care about stats. I care about what you're doing. I care about the fact that this team was one and four and came back to win yeah. three games. And Kirk Cousins, before again he got hurt on Sunday, played a hell of a football game. But That's some important. of the stats, like like I think the back of the football card stats don't tell everything. A lot of people like to lean on total yards yeah. and Agreed. touchdowns, interceptions. And you know, we do this on our state of the offense Thursdays. We dig a little deeper into more of the process statistics and analytics and it might put some people to sleep who don't like that kind of stuff but but it's really if you start to dig in over the six years and there's been some ebbs and flows but Kirk is so much better against pressure he's Mm -hmm. so much better like actually converting late game situations into wins right he's he's been better in the in some of the even like primetime games analytically than he was at times so nobody has ever said I mean, there's some fringes that he's garbage at any point. The debate has always been, I think it's funny because like almost everyone, I would say 80% of people that follow this team and that are fans and watch Kirk Cousins, there's like 20% margins where, you know, 10% think he's garbage, which is a crock and 10% think he's better than Joe Burrow, which is a crock, right? But the other 80% all pretty much agree that like for the most part, depending on the day, he's between like the eighth and 12th best quarterback in the NFL Sometimes there's been some seasons where maybe he's like closer to 14th or 15th, maybe some others he's been seventh, but he's in that range. Right. And the debate is sort of how comfortable are you with that relative to how much money he has taken up in the roster building process. And it gets into this, then it gets into this debate about quarterback rankings and cap hits and all it just devolves. Right. At the end of the day, he was brought here in 2018, Kirk cousins to put an NFC championship team over the top and win a Super Bowl. That's what he was brought here to do in 2018. Mm-hmm. That defense was still a top five defense by almost every measurement in 2018. And they missed the playoffs. They didn't miss the playoffs because the defense was garbage. They missed the playoffs because the offense didn't do enough. They didn't score enough points. They didn't convert enough games and drives late. And yes, the offensive coordinator wound up being a misfit. And the head coach wasn't a great partnership with Kirk. But like that's what he was brought in to do. I believe if this current version of Kirk, when maybe Kevin O'Connell was like his consultant on the side or something, but like you get this current version of Kirk, 2022 and 2023, plopped onto that team in 2018, they certainly don't miss the playoffs. No, He's a no. better, more evolved version of himself. And the, you know it's too bad that it took five or six years to get there. And by the time he got there, the roster had kind of eroded. And now you're kind of rebuilding the defense and whatnot. Right. But if and, but and we'll and if, we'll see if he ever plays another snap with the Vikings. If O'Connell can do do this with Kirk, I think that the hope or the confidence or w- whatever you, you want to call it is he's like shown he's doing exactly aside from some in-game stuff that's weird, he's doing exactly with your quarterback what you counted on and wanted. So so like my hope for the future with this franchise and that position is higher now than it's been in forever. Yeah. Because I think they've hit on the right coach to develop a quarterback. And that, I, I mean, it's going to sound stupid, but you guys, they didn't have that guy in the building for how long? 
and, and like Kevin Stefanski, he couldn't say, well, I'm the new OC, so I'm, you know. Not since those... Brad Childress, who got the most out of Brett Favre in 2009. Oh, God. But, you know, it's probably been since <laughs> since since Green and Culpepper worked out really well yeah. together, right? Yeah. Like, it's been that long. Actually, so... dude, that's a great history lesson for, like, younger fans. Now, Culpepper was a first-round pick who had one of the best relative athletic scores, and, like, he's – Think Anthony Richardson 20, 25 years ago, right? So we're not dealing with the same physical talent, Culpepper versus Jaron Hall here. Just want to make that clear. Yes. But Culpepper wasn't ready to be like an all-encompassing, hey, I know what I'm looking at on every play starting quarterback. So Dennis Green, and I think, was it Scott Linehan? Or was he, he came along a little later, but they basically said, hey, you got weapons and uh, you got some smart offensive minds here as head coach and and coordinator. We're going to cut the field in half for you and basically tell you what's going to happen before the snap on every play mm-hmm. and and in our game prep, right? Like that's what they have to do here for Jaron Hall to make it easier for him. And Green, to his credit with, with the pick that they got, I think in the Brad Johnson trade with Washington at the time in 99, he saw the talent there in Dante. And Dante played at Central Florida, which then was not really a household name school. And there were a lot of people, because if I recall correctly, the Vikings passed on Javon Curse. Uh, who Tennessee took, who was absolutely, yeah, the freak. And so a lot of folks were like, what are you doing? You're taking a quarterback that no one's heard of. And that's, if I'm not, if I'm correct, that's the McNabb, Achilles Smith draft. There were like three quarterbacks at the top. And Dante came in and, and sat for a season and then played. And like, that's the last time that you had a feeling that the Vikings had the infrastructure to develop a franchise QB. What I've seen from Kevin gives me the confidence that at least the the uh, the um the infrastructure is in place for that to take for that to happen again and it's yep. been a long time since then yep so so oh wow it's, it's i'm optimistic about the position path there that I i'm optimistic about the position because i think while kirk will be missed no question about it agreed um I also think that, and it, you know, it almost certainly is not going to pay off now in 2023, but I think that there is reason to be optimistic that the Vikings themselves hit on the right guy to develop this position. It might be Kirk again. It might not, but I don't feel it's going to be this, you know, um, uh, a flow of guys from Ponder to Freeman, right? It feels like it's going to be much more secure. If Kevin got Kirk to a new level, and if you don't believe that, I'm curious to know what you think of then, Kevin, like what you're, if, if you feel like Kirk has been sort of patching all this stuff together, then do you want a new coach? I'm, I'm curious if, if you believe that Kirk has been the same guy, same quarterback, same everything since 2018, then what's the point of Kevin O'Connell in that 13 win season last year? Right. What's the point in Kevin O'Connell, you know, rah, rah in the locker room, getting this team back on track after being three games under 500 to start. I'm just kind of, kind of curious what, what people on the opposite side think, but if, if he got Kirk to another level, can he do it with other quarterbacks? I don't think Jaron Hall in one year or Nick Mullins are going to get to the level where they're throwing dimes like cousins was these last couple of weeks. Uh, but can they do enough to win games? I guess is yep. the question. So um, we're going to make Judd guest PFF grades and do our pigskin pecking order here. A shout out to our friends over at Finch home solutions, Judd, our favorite van roaming around the twin Show cities, the van, helping boys. people. Show the van. That's right. Finch home solutions my guy cody finch two things one huge vikings fan very hopeful i'm sure he's a little bit down in the dauber this week 
But the other thing is he's an expert when it comes to repairing any electrical issues in your home and Finch Home Solutions. Also experts in repairing things in your home. Uh, it could be it could be an outlet. You, you need a three-pronged outlet. You know what? Finch can do that. They'll come to your home. They'll do it quickly, courteous, fast. You could need your entire home rewired. Guess what? Finch can do that. There is no project too small. There is no project too big. And right now, an offer on the table because protecting your family, obviously, the most important thing in life. It's the Finch Friends and Family Plan. One free electrical inspection a year, which is incredibly important. No dispatcher fee. A priority on dispatching. Uh, so if something goes wrong, you call Finch. Guess what? You go right to the top of that list and a 10% discount on all work performed in your home for only $9.95 a month. Just give them a call, Finch Home Solutions, 612 612- 357-2604 or go to their um, redesigned website, finchhomesolutions.com finchhomesolutions.com and make sure that you tell them the guys from Purple Daily told you to give them a call or contact them. Yep. Hey, uh, Federated Insurance was recently named one of the top 10 places to work in the state of Minnesota by Forbes magazine. So not only are they a great place to work, top 10, all right? Uh, they're also a great place to partner with if you run a business and you're looking to maximize your business. Uh, imagine having a better offensive line protecting you from threats and risks on the horizon. That's where Federated comes in. Over 100 years of experience helping business owners. You can drop by federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of industries that Federated uh, specializes in. And you can find out all kinds of information about how to maximize your business's success. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. And a shout out to our friends also at Livia here, Judd, helping Purple Daily listeners get in shape before the holiday season. Yeah, that's, that's of course, sports dad right there down uh, 40 pounds now. A couple of years ago, the guy on the left, the guy on the right. What's the difference? The difference is very simple, my friends, at Livia Weight Control Centers who helped me drop the weight. They're going to help you. They've helped numerous people in the PD family. We've heard from folks who have lost 60 pounds, 100 pounds. However much weight you want to lose, Livia is going to help you do exactly that. And here's the most important thing. They're going to help you keep those unwanted pounds off. So not only are all those clothes that don't fit now going to fit, but they're going to fit for the long term. And the offer on the table right now, how about this? Three months for free. You join now, three months for free, taking you basically through some of the coldest months when we tend to gain weight. Guess what? You're going to be losing weight. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com, inside or outside the state because the entire program can be done virtually. It's that simple. Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com. All right, let's, uh, let's actually do the pigskin pecking order first here and tell you guys where we have the 10 best teams in the NFL falling and sorted and where we have the Vikings ranked. So each one of us does our top 10 rankings, and then we put together an aggregate, and it comes out like this. Number one, the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm -hmm. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number three, the Baltimore Ravens. All three of us had this exact order for our three best teams. Eagles, Chiefs, Ravens. Yeah, three straight losses. They'll, well. they'll probably straighten it out, but it's kind of a oh, I think they will too. But yeah, this has not been a good stretch for them. Dolphins at four, Jaguars at five. Way to go, Doug Peterson! That's a great story, you guys. It is. It's a great hire. Niners at six, Lions at seven, <laughs> Seattle Seahawks at eight. 
I think I had them sixth, maybe seven. I think I had them the highest out of you guys. You're playing great. Always sort of nondescript. Dallas Cowboys at nine and the Buffalo Bills at 10. You guys had the same 10 in slightly different orders. I had the Bengals ahead of the Bills after their impressive win. Now that Joe Burrow's healthy, the Bengals look like the Bengals again. So I had the Bengals in, and I put the Bills on the outside looking in here, but pretty similar pigskin pecking orders for all of us here. Eagles, Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins, Jaguars, Niners, Lions, Seahawks, Cowboys, Bills. Your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are, are this. If you're sleeping on Baltimore, don't. I feel like Baltimore is an easy team to sleep on, but they're very impressive right now. Um, and again, the Jaguars are a great story. I think the Jaguars are a fantastic story, and they've got a really good QB. They've got a good coach, and, and I think that's one of. I think that's a team to keep an an eye on in the playoffs. I just have a sneaky suspicion that they, the experience that they got a year ago was good, and I think that they might catapult from that experience. Just a gut feeling. It, this ranking is becoming a lot more tougher, especially four through 10. Um, I, I think one, two, three, I think everyone would have these three right now as one, two, three in, in some type of order. Um, but four through 10, there's a lot of parity here. Um, the Dolphins got off to a hot start, but they've also stumbled a couple times. The Seahawks have also been quietly really good all season. The Cowboys are great at home. You know, the, the Bills have probably fallen off from where they were the last few years, but they're still obviously a good team. Like four through ten, filling out this list, it's it's actually pretty tough. I would say four four through eleven. You guys snubbing the uh, the Bengals here. Four through eleven is very lumped together. It feels to me like the Bills missed the old window. Yep, I think they missed it. And and look, I mean, some good teams stopped them, but it feels like they had a window of opportunity. And that's now closed, which doesn't make them a bad team. But I don't there, – there's something about them now I, I don't trust very much. You know, so. they were like a, an Eastern Conference team in the NBA in the mid to late 1990s. That's exactly or what I was thinking. like the Utah Jazz in the West yep. or something. Oh, this is great. We're going we're gonna to be champions. Oh, a dynasty yep. came along and the greatest player of all time. Good call. And so with that here, we, we have the Vikings pretty tightly ranked here. I've got them as the 12th best team. Judd has them 14th. Declan has them 15th. Of course, this is sort of, we don't know what life is going to be like going forward without Kirk Cousins. So that's another thing. Just a quick rant. Right? <laughs> you guys got what you wanted. You guys, you guys got what you wanted at Score North and Purple Daily. First of all, like Score North is not one person. There are several different people. There's three of us. There's other no, contributors. People have different opinions and takes on things. I thought there was a score North guy. Yeah, I thought all of us in, said Griffin in Jackson the in the playoff roster. I thought there's that was one guy all that, encompassing thing. He's in a closet. He's been been there since like the seventies. Just at the company. So I'm score North. But it's like you guys. You you wanted to see what life was like without Kirk Cousins. Well, you're gonna get yeah. your chance on Sunday. It's like yes, this was always the plan for yeah, Kirk to be have him suffer ejected from the plane with a catastrophic injury, yeah. and we put. Uh, like a journeyman backup and or a fifth-round rookie in to take his place. That's the master plan all along. No, I mean, it's it's always been a long-term discussion about who is your young franchise quarterback on a rookie-scale contract that helps you build a monster roster around him, right? When they had that with Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't as good as Kirk Cousins. 
but they still won 11 games and went to the playoffs. This and, is all you, know. you ever wanted. This is all God. your dream come true. <laughs> I hate Man. Mackie. I, and for the, for the dooming gloomers out there, okay, I can assure you, having watched this franchise for a long time, Judd for longer than I have, Declan's watched for a long time, okay, the franchise won't collapse. It's devastating in the short term. It's not ideal. And now they have to confront what their next step is, life beyond Kirk Cousins. But in the four years before Cousins got here in 2018, they actually averaged more wins than the first four years of Kirk. They averaged 10 wins. They went to the playoffs a couple times. They went to the NFC Championship game. They got they averaged more wins and got further in the four previous years than when Kirk Cousins was here. It's not a rip on Cousins. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of ways for the Vikings to get to the playoffs and get beat in the first round. They just found a new way in the last five or six years. They found other ways with Tavares Jackson and Christian Ponder and even Brett Favre oh. they couldn't get to the Super Bowl with in 2009. So, like, life will go on. This franchise will find ways to continue to be competitive. Calm down. There's a better chance now, as we talked about with uh, Doogie on the scoop session on Monday, there's a better chance now that if you're a Kirk fan, he comes back. He could very well come back. Because he's yep. going to be a cheaper contract. It's probably go- going to be shorter. It's instead of instead of for sure three years, it could yep. be two. Like, like you could be looking at uh, a situation where if you're a Kirk fan, let's just say this, because he's he's th- going to be 36 next summer, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know, if, if it takes a little bit of time to heal that Kirk Cousins is, or, or that Nick Mullins is your starting quarterback, let's say in week one and two, and Kirk Cousins steps right back in then. I could see that. I could see that too. I could on see a that. reasonable contract like this. This does get you, Phil, to the question that you continue to ask, which is, would Kirk take a discount? And I kept saying, no way, no way, no way. Well, guess what? That discount might be all he can get now. I will say this though: I, I, I don't think it happens with a promise that he's the starting quarterback anymore. Because I don't know that you can like, if you're planning on winning big, let's say in 2024, I don't know that you can with a 36-year-old coming off, a non-mobile 36-year-old already yeah. coming off an Achilles injury, just say, oh, hopefully the timeline works out and he's ready to rock and roll and we're going to be serious. I think what you would do is you would say, hey, we're, the door is going to be open for us to draft a quarterback here because we ha- like at this point, we have to start planning for life after you. We'd love you back, but we may draft a quarterback in the first. Because the thing is, you're going to have to decide on this maybe – in like March. Now he might, he might elect to see how the market plays out, but the money is going to be there in March. If he waits till the second or third wave and gets further in his rehab, money's gone. The money might be gone. So he might want to sign somewhere and have some certainty by March. And then you'd have to say, Hey, we might draft a quarterback in the first round, just so you know. So you, you might be competing and he might not want any part. That's why this conversation gets complicated. He might say, well, I crap. I'd rather go sign with San Francisco and replace Brock Purdy Brock if he Purdy throws three interceptions in week two, right? <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I, that that e- immediately crossed my mind is like, would he now, well, like, does this open the door more than ever for him to go and be reunited with Kyle Shanahan? The other question is this, if the Vikings are going to, so let's say the Vikings have their first round pick is, you know, 10th or something, okay? 11th, whatever. And they're going to take a quarterback. Would they tell Kirk, hey, look, when you can come back, or if, if you're back for, I don't know, training camp, whatever, you're actually going to start because we want the guy 
to learn, you know, if it's like the 12th pick, we, we want that guy to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know in 2023, as I said to you and Dukes yesterday, that that is workable, like, because then Kirk's in the room and like, does that create problems? You could, I don't but know. You could sit that first rounder for a full year. But that's what I'm saying. You could do Would that. Would that be the plan? Because I, I have always said, and it's not done much now, but I have always said that I am a big fan of not forcing a young quarterback to play immediately. Yeah. So many, man. A lot of scenarios. So discussions here, man. Yeah. And I'm sort of going back and forth in my head about these. Well, we will have a lot of, uh, a lot of conversations to explore. Let's have you guess the PFF grades here. And uh, we'll try and do this in, I don't know, five to eight minutes. Yeah, we'll we get got, it done quick. You guys, we're good for a five to eight minutes here, right? Yeah, we're good. I got to get to a flagrant howls shortly afternoon so I can complain about the Timberwolves blowing a 20-point lead in the third quarter. All right. Um, We're looking for, we're going to start with the offense. You get three strikes to guess the three best and three worst performers in that game against the Packers, according to PFF. All right. Pour one out for Kirk Cousins. The best. One of the best. Oh, yes, he was. That's a guess. He was one of the best. Yeah. He was, he was very, very good. He was the uh, number one graded offensive player for the Vikings, 90.1 out of 100. I feel like TJ Hawkinson had a very good day. He there was the things, number two, the number okay. two graded player. There are things he could get. I'm sure you're, PFF can ding players for things that I don't necessarily pick up on, but um, okay. 70.7. And, uh, and um, uh, Jordan Addison, number three. Wow. Look at this guy. This is a clinic right now. This is a clinic, right? This well, those guys vintage, all had really good days. Vintage Zolgad here. Okay, we're looking for the three worst, and you still have all three strikes to play with. Okay, so before we did trenches with Boone, I thought the offensive line played okay. Boone said in the run, run game, game they were bad. they were terrible. That's what he so said. So that's so I'm going to I'm going to guess that they have a couple of oh, at least one O lineman in the bottom three because PFF, like they see that as well. Like Booney and PFF, which is funny because Booney hates them, but the reality is that their eye tests or their charting is probably going to be fairly similar. Um, Dalton Reisner. He mentioned Dalton Reisner. Second worst graded player, 48.9. Boy, and a forty-one point seven run blocking grade. Oh, Ugh. good bad news. Who else looked like they didn't have a good game? Then who else am I guessing? Totally because Boone said it. Garrett Bradbury. He was the fourth worst player. So so Boone was spot on about this. Um, all right. KJ Osborne had a good game. Addison, I guessed. Um, you know who often grades out poorly? So I'll guess him. My guy, Johnny Munt. Johnny Munt. Uh, he didn't play enough snaps. Oh, okay. So I'm not going to strike you for that one. He didn't play 15 snaps. He played five and was the second highest graded player in those five okay. snaps. But I'm not going to ding you because he, he's, he quali- he's not qualified. My guy. Yeah, nice catch, mm-hmm. yeah. Big oh catch. boy. Okay. All right. Hold on. Um. Oh, you know what? Jaron Hall. It's funny. He also does not qualify. He only oh, played he eleven. Only played eleven snaps. Oh, okay. And right, he I'm was here. the third highest graded player if you include the unqualified guys. 
Wow. Dude, okay. he did a great job on that third down to ice the game. I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess that. Got and then him. the offensive oh, line no. melted down. Derisaw had the uh, the strip sack. I mean, that was. All right. Hall hit the back of his. You drop. know what? What the heck, Christian Derisaw. Now you're just. I, well, the offensive line didn't play well, so I'm guessing well, but, guys but from the offensive you, if line. If you're going to pick bad offensive linemen, why would you pick the highest-graded player in the NFL? Because you know what? Guys are going to have bad days. Who, who else would have been the better pick there? Days. Well, wait, no. i got to strike left, right? You do. Ed Ingram. Declan just walking Judd up to that. <laughs> Ed Ingram was the worst-graded offensive lineman. Worst-graded player on offense. You have That's one tough... guess left, oh, one okay. strike left. All right, so... Oh, boy. Darisaw really did get beat bad on, on that one. That was a huge overthink by you, the Darisaw thing. It was a big-time overthink. Oh, you know, that's okay. I'm red hot today. I'm just trying to process of elimination. Um, oh, You got this. You got this, dude. Alexander yeah. Madison. Thank you. Yes, there, there is. it is. All right. Yes. There it is. Gotta put it on the tee a couple nice more times. Job. Yes. There we go. You, you were on, on the, the scent, dude. You were like, you're like on the scent, on the scent. Ooh, oh, what's over oh, here? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like, well, I, like, you know what came back to like me? Vinny that Vinny sees the snow. That Derisaw, that Derisaw whiff when Jaron Hall damn near got killed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Madison was a 52 and a half. Uh, he's been awful all season, according to Pro Football Focus. It's not I good. You can't play him that much on Sunday. But they don't. It's not like Cam Akers has been. Cam Akers has been better, but not like amazing. They just they don't have dynamic running backs. Okay, same thing no, for the defensive don't. side. Three strikes to guess six players. Three up top and three on the bottom. We're looking for fifteen snaps uh, minimum here. All right, good. The good. Let's start with the good. Let's start positive. Josh Metellus. Josh Metellus was the third highest graded defensive player. Eighty-one point one. Oh, you know who I thought played really well, and I think he qualifies on snaps? Makai Blackman. He was the second highest graded player. 21 snaps, a 90.1 grade. That's super encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Duke's called that. Duke yeah. said, look for him to play more snaps against the Packers, and indeed, Makai Blackman did. All right, I need one more. Um, Daniil Hunter. Wow. He's just on a rampage now. The number one graded defensive player, 92.7. Seven pressures, six hurries, a sack, and two stop tackles. Two first-round picks. Who says no? Two first-round picks. We are recording this before the trade deadline. If somebody calls you right now and says, I'll give you two second-round picks. No. Do you blow up your season? No. A first-round pick and a second-round pick. Yeah, then yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, are you kidding? (laughs) You guys are sellouts. Oh, yeah. Immediately. All right, the worst, the three worst. Yep. Caleb Evans. He was the second worst graded player. Impressive performance here by Judd. Felt, felt like he got beat a lot. Yep. Uh, Jordan Love was five for seven when targeting a Caleb Evans for, well, only 36 yards, so not not too much of a train wreck, but no, but he got 46 and a half grade. Yeah. Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry. Revenge game for Dino. Not quite. Uh, although you're saved, he only played three snaps. He doesn't qualify. So. Oh, okay. He did? Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't so only not realize one, Only one strike against you so far. All right. Um... 
Oh, you know who who doesn't grade out? Oh, well, he might not have played enough snaps either. Did Pace? Ivan Pace? Pace did play enough snaps. He did not finish in the bottom. Okay. All right. He was actually okay. graded out very well in 21 snaps. Oh, God. Okay. Um. So you're at two strikes here, I believe, okay. right? Okay. Okay. Yep. Yes. Yep. I have two strikes. Um. I'm trying to think of the secondary. Yeah. So I got Josh Metellus right. Harrison Smith, I don't think, was close to the, being the worst. Cam Bynum. Caleb Evans, I got. Um, I don't know if this guy played enough snaps. I think he did before Blackman played. Andrew Booth Jr. So he didn't play enough snaps. He was the second lowest graded player. No! So we can't we can't count that. Which is why Blackman came in and played really well. Um, all right. Um, who else would have been? So it's a good defensive lineman, probably. I don't think it's Bynum. I think it's Jordan Hicks. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously trying to think because I thought Harrison Phillips, I thought I saw him make a few plays. He had a, good, he had a couple of good plays, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Bullard. Jonathan Bullard, wow. Total guess. He was the third worst graded player. Was he really? Yeah, mm-hmm. forty-eight point one. So you have one strike and one left here. We need, we're the we're worst. looking for the worst graded defensive player, with your last strike. DJ Wanham had two sacks. He's watching a master at his craft right now, folks. I'm going through the yacht. Uh, the wheels turning the, here. Can go, he do it? I'm going through the defensive line. I think I've I think I've exhausted it. He's Both had many near misses so far this season. Um, Judd guesses the PFF grades. He's closing in on his first full victory, maybe of the season, oh across God. both offense and defense. I don't know, though. Can um, he pull out the worst defensive performer in that game? I feel like I've exhausted almost everyone. Okay, I'll just guess him. Cam Bynum. Cam Bynum. Is incorrect. Who was it? Byron Murphy Jr. would have. Oh been God, incorrect. I left him out. You know what? Oh man, said his name. He's like, been no. a train wreck, according how to Pro Football he, Focus. How bad has he been? The worst player bad. on the team, according to Pro Football Focus. Bad. Yeah. Oh my He's God. He's just yeah. like okay, always, always getting burned. I guess so. Yeah, they gave up a 34-yarder in this game. My fault. I should have. You came of that so one. close. It was a valiant effort there by Judd. So, all right, we got to we gotta go. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Purple Daily, presented by Quick Trip. Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win the Super Bowl before we die. Write that down, predictions tomorrow, and maybe a trade deadline reaction depending on what happens today.